and welcome to Deep Down Deep Podcast. My name's Sean. Joining me for the first time is Gary from Hoops and Cards. Gary, how are you? I'm doing great, Sean. What's up? It's great to be with you. Thanks for having me on the show. No worries. Thanks for coming on. Um, and this is obviously the the next seat in the big game we're playing here at the Deep Two, saying who's going to called who's going to replace Dante. So, um, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and and what you do? Dude, I don't know if anybody can replace Dante. I listened to some of your shows and the chemistry back and forth, the way you guys just riff. Uh, I, I love it. I think it translates everywhere that NBA fans exist. So thanks for what you guys do. Um, I Yeah, hoops and cards. Man, we uh, the sports card industry, the craze has hit the NBA and uh, the last... The last three years, really, with Zion and Ja, and mm. and uh, it, it's just been quite a ride, man. So uh, our podcast has been around a little, well, almost two years now, and uh, it's it's been fun to meet people mm. from all over world, over the world. A lot of mm. listeners in Australia too, which is uh, which has been sweet. Yeah, yeah, nice. Well, it's I, I've definitely got into basketball cards in the past couple of years. Um, I remember when I was in high school, I found this eBay seller who would just sell vintage sealed basketball packs, and these are a vintage, you know, around Michael Jordan era, so just in the nineties, and they were very weighable in in terms of if there was a foil card in there. They definitely weren't selling that on eBay for two dollars a pack, but I just thought it was amazing just opening up these relics of the past, and you know, you'd open up a Bimbo Coles card, and it's like, oh, this is pretty cool. And then from there, I've started just started to say, oh, there's actually a little bit of value in this. Oh, if you get a rookie card for a good player, there's there's something going on. And just as soon as that clicked in my head, it happened for the rest of the world. And then you know, I thought. Hey, maybe I'll buy a pack, try and try and get Jar Morant. But seems like everyone else has had that idea. I mean, at the time I was saying Zion Williamson because we didn't know that he was going to right. have an up and down start to his career. But um, where where do you where do you want to go with this? Um, well, I've always been an NBA fan, Sean. Like as, as a kid, you mentioned vintage. Um, I'm that kid that uh, you know, when I was. 10 or 12 years old, I, I just like was was enamored with sports cards and uh, trying to, to make money buying and selling baseball cards uh, mm-hmm. with my friends and with local shows and shops. And and I remember one weekend there was a card show, like hundreds of dealers selling cards. And one guy just had a stand with 40 or 50 sets of 1986-87 Fleer basketball. And this was in 1987. And mm. basketball cards were worth nothing. They were worth nothing. But I was an NBA fan. I loved Michael Jordan, Charles Barkley, Karl Malone, Hakeem Olajuwon, Magic, Bird, all those. I thought, well, I'm just going to buy a set. You know, there it was $7, Sean. Mm. $7 for a set of 86, 87 players. So I bought a set and just, you know, pasted those cards in my locker at school, on, on the wall in my bedroom. Like, I, it mm. was just like a fun thing. I never thought these things would be worth mm. <laughs> you know regret man but um but now the last few years yeah um when when covid hit we couldn't go to sporting events we couldn't bet on games we couldn't do fantasy basketball so people started buying cards again and returning to their like like if they're over the age of 30 they were returning to their their childhood buying cards if mm-hmm. they're younger it's their parents or just the, the fact that they 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 could get cards, like you said, with John Morant on them and the players that they love watching on TV, Steph Curry, LeBron, uh, all those guys. So, mm. so yeah, it's, it's taken off and um, 
it's been quite a ride because along with that, so have podcasters and online platforms and tools to help people try to buy and sell sports cards, basketball cards, and make money real quickly. Like like when I got back into it, I could buy a LeBron James card from 2019 for a dollar on eBay. Mm. And then two months later, I was selling it for 20 bucks. I'm like, this could be a thing. Like this could be <laughs> not just a, <laughs> yeah, yeah. This could be a profitable thing that um, I, I could tell my wife about, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. not just this side hobby for a sports <laughs> fan. So, so no, it's been fun to, to watch it take off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome. And I feel like now's a good time to mention um, when I was sort of getting a little bit more into basketball cards, I, you know, I, we've sort of mentioned a little bit, we know that the rookie cards are the good ones. So obviously, if you want to buy a Michael Jordan rookie card, by all means, go out and do that if you've got the money to do it. But if you do want to sort of have an investment and say, oh, I really like this dude, and let's say you like Nikola Jokic in the second round a few years ago. You would be you would be quite wealthy right now if you knew that and bought up all his stock. But when the Chicago Bulls drafted Pat Williams, I thought this is weird. He's he's a very raw prospect. He he doesn't look that good. He wasn't starting for Florida State. Why why have they drafted him fourth? Um, his rookie cards were quite cheap at the time, so I thought, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll take a flyer here because there must be some reason why the Bulls have drafted him. Um, and I said to my mates at the time, oh, I've bought a couple of Pat Williams cards. I think they're around about ten dollars. I've bought some, yeah, I'm essentially buying stock in Pat Williams. Um, and he hasn't he hasn't panned out too well. But instead of shying away from it, I have grown the collection. So now I've just, just nice. now I've got a massive collection of Pat Williams cards. I'll just uh, show you a couple here on the screen. So rookie cards upon rookie cards of Pat Williams, most of them base, but some of them not base um, Pat Williams cards. All these ungraded, there's a couple of base, there's a couple of base, so on and so on. And then I've got a graded <laughs> Pat Williams rookie card right here. All, yes, worth, all worth not much money, but uh, yeah, just nice little joke. But if he does end up having the the Kawhi Leonard esque leap, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to everyone who started laughing at me when I started buying Pat Williams cards. But oh, you're in a good position. Yeah, I'm I'm in they... a great position and a terrible position. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you didn't spend a lot of money on them. But mm. that's that's part of the beauty right now of cards is you can get in on just about any player at a low budget, like a low cost, whether it's mm. the the card or yeah, the time of the year that you're buying cards or prospecting like you with Patrick Willie. I, I think that's great. Um, he's quite a tease, though, man. He'll have one game where he's like 20 points and 10 boards, and then the next three games he disappears, mm. as, like mm. with a lot of young players. So mm. you never know. Yeah, I mean, last week I was messaging in the group chat again, talking about Pat Williams, saying, "Oh, he's closing at the end of the game. He just hit two threes to to, to finish off the game. Maybe Billy Donovan's going to trust him a bit more, but you just yeah. Let's let's not worry about that. But um, one thing I really <laughs> like with um with basketball card, like you mentioned, there is prospecting. Um, and I just you know you don't have to give up all your secrets. But who are some of the guys who you know some of the names out there who if if you were looking to get into an investing in basketball cards, who's like a a name that that you could that you can invest in? Mm. Yeah, the thing I love about prospecting is guys on a um guys that you can get into on a lower budget and and you and I have the benefit of we're not just into cards because a lot of people that do sports cards they do all the sports and they track with the big names because it's hard for them to keep up on the you know the the guys that might be rising or the guys that might get new opportunities in the NBA we're basketball fans so we know about mm-hmm. players this is how I made some money and then reinvested it over the last few years would be uh Darius Garland 
mm-hmm. buying low. And now I've got a bunch of his cards, but um, selling a lot of those. Tyrese Maxey, Desmond Bain, Anthony Simons. You guys are familiar with some of those names. Those aren't mm-hmm. new names, but the fact that all, all of those players are scoring more than 20 a game when they get a chance. Uh, and Tyrese Halliburton might make the all-star team. We find out today, mm-hmm. you know, there's some of those. But when you say prospecting, I'm guessing you mean guys we haven't heard of yet, right? <laughs> well, I mean, I was listening to your to your pod last week, and I heard the name Jalen Noel. So I'm like, are you, <laughs> how much is that going to cost, and is it worth the grade <laughs> to actually send him off? <laughs> uh, Jalen Noel is one of the the kinds of players like Emmanuel quickly that that can score when he gets the opportunity, has the ball in his hand. They like to run the offense through him. Uh, he's in a position where he's behind an established star. So uh, what you want to do is look for players before they get awesome, like before they get the mm. big opportunity, uh, you know, which could happen if if during the trade deadline, some of these players get moved like a Bones Highland. You know, these mm. guys that when they have minutes, they produce. And it's not just against backups. Like like you said, you, you notice which guys are, hey, if Patrick Williams is closing the game and doing well, um, that's what Emmanuel quickly did the other night against the Lakers. He was, he was on the line, you know, he was on the court for the Knicks, the whole, basically the fourth quarter in overtime and scored mm. 17 points. I'm like, man, when that guy gets a full time role somewhere, whether mm. it's with Thibodeau in New York or somewhere else, uh, he has the potential. I'm not saying I guarantee, I mean, I, I can't guarantee you Jalen Noel will ever be more than 15, 20 minutes a game, but when he gets his chances, man, um, the dude can score. And so he's mm-hmm. one of those low, low cost guys that I like to build a stack of just in case, you know, <laughs> just in case they take off. So but just in case microwave scores. Yes. Yes. I mean, last year for me, it was Anthony Simons. You know, mm-hmm. he, he had that talent, but last season when Lillard went down, uh, there was a month or six week stretch where Simons was the man and averaging close to 30 a game. And that's why they gave him that big contract. Mm-hmm. But like, he has that potential to score 30, you know, uh, mm. like he had 26 last night. So I'm looking for guys mm. before they uh, become established stars. Mm. Um, and another question, you, you're the expert yeah, yeah. here. Um, obviously, you, you're buying these guys. And then if, let's say, it is Jalen Well who goes to a different situation, let's say he's a 30-point per game scorer, obviously his card's going to go, go up in value. Um, but in terms of like the the much more the much more micro scale, do you do you see cards go up in value overnight? Like you mentioned, Tyrus Halliburton. Mm-hmm. If you've got a Tyrus Halliburton card today, and then I mean, we probably should record this a couple of hours from now when we know the reserves. But uh, right. let's let's say he's he is a reserve, and all he's going to be a first time All Star in a couple of hours. Will his card go up twenty five percent overnight, or is it is it that noticeable or not? You know. Uh... On one hand, the answer is it depends on the card because mm-hmm. you could buy just a regular what in the sports card world we call the base card, you know, the card they made the most of for each set, like a base prism or a base, you know, in your Patrick Williams, I saw mosaic, I saw hoops, I saw, I think there was a, a flux, you know, you had some prism probably, um, <laughs> I would look for cards (laughs) with, with some of these. Well, I, some of these, you can get a card with a player's autograph on it or a Mm. limited edition card, like numbered to 99, or they only made 50 of that cards. It's not just the player we'd be watching. It's what, what card are you getting? Because it is those limited edition, or it is those with something special to the card. 
Mm. Um, you've got one that's graded, you know, like a PSA 10 is going to be more desirable. And, and there's a way to track. That's the other thing, man, Sean, the last few years, there have been more tools made for people to track the number of sales of cards online and how much those cards are going for. There's more tools than ever. So mm-hmm. like uh, Card Ladder Pro or Market Movers app, you can go on and see, hey, how many Tyrese Maxi Silver Prisms have sold in the last week? Uh, what have they sold for? And and it helps you kind of anticipate, uh, you know, you can look back and, and see the last year. Did, did those cards move quicker when he played better? Did they move slower mm-hmm. during the off season? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and with Halliburton, I would say, uh, the secret's already out. Like a lot of the Halliburton lovers have already invested in him. But if you've got a unique card that that sometimes might might trade like buy and sell along a range, like somebody might buy it for fifty dollars and then he has a big game. Dude's mm-hmm. got to get healthy. Um, yeah. He has a big game. Then you might have somebody make an impulse buy yeah. and buy it on eBay for a hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the thing. There are impulse buyers, and I would encourage I encourage myself not to be one of those. But they're out there, and, and they will buy based on big news. Ooh, Julius Randle made the All Star team again. Boom! Some of his cards will sell. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I can't guarantee that that mine will sell. You know, <laughs> but but there are impulse buyers out there, um, and more access to them due to things like eBay and online auctions. Mm-hmm. That, does that answer your question? Like with Halliburton, I I love his game, but I I don't think he's going to make the all-star. I think he's deserving of it, but mm-hmm. there's so many players like having career years right now. It's crazy yeah. how much scoring is going on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, And Halliburton seems like a bit of a safe one as well. If he's not an all-star this year, he's probably going to be an all-star for the next five years. Um, For for the forever six-seeded Indiana Pacers for the rest of eternity. (laughs) Right. Um, Right. Yeah. Okay. So you never you never get Emmanuel quickly hitting five threes in the first quarter, and then all of a sudden you've just quickly listed all your quickly cards. Pardon the pun on eBay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Unless it's in the playoffs. Like last season, there were a couple guys. Uh, Grant Williams for the Celtics had one of those five threes in a game, and he yeah. was he was huge. Boom. Grant Williams prices went up. It's like Terrence Mann <laughs> the previous year. Terrence Mann comes in for Kawhi, hits twenty five points in a playoff game, and and you do have those spikes. Mm. Um. A couple of years ago, it was Bull Bull. Like his, mm. he had a great preseason, and everybody was talking about him. So I, I think, like with sports cards, people are the market is drawn to new, big news and big potential, like big hype. Mm-hmm. And Bull 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 yeah. is a good name there. Um, yeah. What else we got here? Any any recommendations? Oh, I've already asked you that. God, must be early for you and <laughs> late right. for me. Any recommendations for <laughs> listeners who obviously you've, sure. you've got a basketball podcast, so you've uh, you've got a, a sports card podcast, so it's a, a great resource to go to. But any recommendations outside of listening to hoops and cards for people wanting to to get into sports cards? Thanks. Hey, thanks for the plug, Sean. Yeah, um, <laughs> we have a, a series on our podcast called Basketball Cards One Hundred and One. And it's for people that are brand new to this. You know, you're an NBA fan. Uh, you you love staying connected and following your team or your favorite player. Um, you love collecting stuff. Maybe it's jerseys, you know, or autographs. Well, Basketball Card 101, that series we do, is super helpful if you're getting into cards for the first time or getting back into uh, the hobby now that it's it's become a big money business mm. and uh, you don't have to pay the stupid tax like you don't have to learn a lot of things the hard way and 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 lose money on this 
uh, that would be part one. You can you can learn the things before you spend the money. Part two would be uh, no matter what you hear from uh, talkers uh, about sports cards as an investment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like what you said about Halliburton. Uh, if you buy a card now, you know, and it doesn't go up or you don't get to sell it and make some profit right away. So what? Therese Halliburton is going to be a great player for many years to come. And if you enjoy his game, then why not buy his card now and and enjoy the ride? You know, mm-hmm. if if you've got a card that you really like, uh, mm-hmm. does that make sense? Like, buy. I I always think about that. Like, hey, if if the card market crashes tomorrow, will I still want to keep that card, or am I just mm-hmm. buying it on the quick flip? And because mm-hmm. you never know, mm-hmm. right? The, the we talked about the rise of the card market two or three years ago with with COVID. Well, the last twelve months we've seen it. Uh, return like crash back down to planet earth and mm-hmm. and a lot of people that were in it for the quick dollar quick buck they're like oh crap what did we just do? you know that they, <laughs> they've had to sell a lot and mm-hmm. and take a loss um so so yeah buy buy players you like you know if you're into this and uh um it is good to listen to podcasts like yours podcasts like mine to stay in touch with what's going on in the nba mm-hmm. right yeah, definitely, definitely. And and links to everything you do will be in the bio of this podcast. And you can also just search Hoops and Cards wherever you get your podcast. Um, but before we move on to just the news of the week, because it is the trade deadline next week, so there is there is plenty to talk mm-hmm. about. Um, who do you follow in the basketball? Who's who's your team? Uh well, my home team is Cleveland. So mm-hmm. I love what the Cavaliers have done. Uh like adding Donovan Mitchell. That's just ridiculous mm-hmm. what he's been able to do. Um, it's been fun because the last couple of days I've I've looked into as we we put together our list of who should be all stars. I looked at what all the all the players in the league are doing the last ten games, and Evan Mobley has been starting to score. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's averaging nineteen point nine a game over the last ten. That's super encouraging for people that are like, I know he can block shots, but can he? Right? What's his potential as a scorer? Mm-hmm. So I'm Cleveland. Um, as far as like fan and collecting, I love Memphis. Yeah. Uh, so many young, exciting players. I love Toronto. I'm curious to see what they do at the deadline. If anything, mm. they're in all these rumors. I mean, maybe um, they can trade for another like long rangey wing who's athletic and can shoot. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, they have such a shortage of those. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like watching five clones on the court yeah. and, and I don't know how they're not winning. Like, mm. it, They've got guys that can do the things, and they were winning last year. But anyway, mm-hmm. I like Toronto. Um, yeah. I love the Sixers. I I, I mentioned really? Darius Garland, but also Tyrese Maxey is a guy that I started buying when he was cheap, and uh, I've made a, a good chunk of money, you know, mm. relatively good chunk of money selling his cards, but I've got a lot on him. Um, they look pretty good too. The Sixers, you see what they did to Denver and Jokic last week. Yeah, I mean, yeah. On the second night of a back-to-back for the Denver Nuggets, I will true. say <laughs> that's true. But I mean, you can only play who's in front of you. So if you're going to beat the your your MVP candidate and your MVP rival and and best center in the world, you, you're not going to you're not going to say no. But yeah, interesting. <laughs> right. You're the you're the first Cavs fan. I think I hate to offend anyone, but you're the first. Cavs Are you serious? Fan. To come on the podcast. Yeah. Um, I'm a Golden State fan, so you know, maybe okay. I've been maybe I've been keeping Cavs fans away. Um, but I've just <laughs> ever since those finals, I've yeah, man. I like, was ugh. I was at a bunch of those finals games. Like really? we have uh tickets to the Cavaliers, yeah. And um 
Yeah, man, th- those were four exciting years, but also four heartbreaking years for mm. Cavaliers fans, especially when you guys got KD. Yeah, that's, I mean, I'll, yeah. I'll admit that wasn't the most fun years to be a basketball fan. <laughs> Apart <laughs> from just tuning on a random Tuesday and then all of a sudden KD is just like, he's just got the full um, weak side cleared out with the two best shooters on the strong side and he's just sitting there just sizing up some poor rookie. Right? He's just at work <laughs> with no yeah, idea well, what hey- to do. You would be proud of me, Sean, because on, on our podcast, I don't just talk about, hey, Darius Garland and Evan Mobley. Like, I talk about Steph Curry. I talk about <laughs> Jor- Jordan Poole has been a huge, huge uh, rising star in the sports card market. Definitely, and it's yeah. still still a pretty decent buy. But I'm not afraid to recommend players that I can't stand, like mm. Brooklyn Nets players with all their drama and the the Golden State Warriors with the I have PTSD from those from those <laughs> playoff years, man. Mm, uh, but this this year and last year is the first time I've actually come around to watching Cavs games. I'm I'm usually okay. if there's anyone else on, I'll usually watch anyone else. But this just Darius Garland is so much fun. It's just so nice he to is. see a guy who's just like he's he's got the thing with the hop and he's jumping around and he's got his like cheeky little no looks, and then now he's <laughs> just got responsible backups behind him where like everything just isn't on him. He can now just have some fun have an excellent, right? just run an excellent offense and then sit down and not have to worry about coming back in with the score down like Steph Curry. <laughs> I love, well, I heard another podcaster, Paul from nooffseason.com about two years ago mentioned Darius Garland is the next Steph Curry. And that sounds like ridiculous. You're just trying to get attention by saying that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what if he is? Like <laughs> when when Donovan Mitchell's out, Ste- uh, Darius, I almost called him Steph, Darius can go off for like 50 <laughs> I was mm. at a game earlier this year where he had 51 points. I'm like, this kid's awesome. Yeah. And we're just now starting to see what he can do. Uh, Cavs make a playoff run. It's going to be fun to watch. So, mm. Mm. yeah. Oh, he's, he's so, it's just so, he's so much fun to watch. And it's just, oh, I hate that he plays with the Cavs, but you've just got such a lovely <laughs> roster. <laughs> right. Um, And Evan Mobley, like, you know, yeah. The sky's the limit, really. I mean, everyone said he was—he's he's got tremendous upside on offense. But even if he doesn't, even if this you know nineteen points across oh. ten is a flash in the pan, he's a defensive player of the year candidate. Guards, you know, let's say three through five—that's right, that's sexy. Oh, dude! And I remember going to Cavaliers games the year after LeBron left, and the place was—I mean, deserted. It was mm. bare. Mm. It was boring, and I felt like. Um, I felt like I was attending a funeral, honestly, not to be overly dramatic, but after going from (laughs) finals games to nobody cares and we're playing guys like Chetty Osman 45 minutes a night, like not maybe 35, but still then Mm. to four years later have Darius Donovan, Jarrett Allen, Evan Mobley, Karis LeVert, like the Rubio players Mm. want to come to Cleveland now. And maybe you're getting to the trade deadline. Like my dream is, OG and Anobi fitting yeah. in at the three, but that's not going to happen. I mean, Donovan Mitchell was sitting there talk, talking to the Knicks for almost a month, and then a day, just you woke up one day and it's like, oh, he's actually, you know, maybe he's going to go to the Cavs. Next day it happened. So, uh, right. Then again, I also don't know what assets you've got to move. Have you got like a, a 2029 first you can throw? But Masai Ujiri has only ever asked for the world for right. OG and Anobi. Um, I think but, that's the uh, sorry to interrupt you. That is the yeah. best part of where we're at in Cleveland. And I mentioned Memphis and Toronto. Some of these teams, you start to realize you're not just following the player. 
you're following their general manager who is mm-hmm. great at identifying talent and adding pieces around, you know, a superstar core. Memphis has this way of identifying young talent and to put them around John Morant and Desmond Bain. And I mean, even mm-hmm. Steven Adams, the way he fits when he's healthy, like they, they are an awesome young team, mm-hmm. but it's partially because some, some brain, some GM knows what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. Kobe Altman. I was quite critical oh. of him early when he came in, but he's, <laughs> he's, he's done it around. He's done an exceptional job. Um, if there was a Paul George for the pick that became Colin Sexton trade on the table, might have taken that, but uh, the hindsight mm, is 2020 yeah. and, and here you are. Um, but before we move on to the news of the week, just to wrap up, uh, let's just take a quick break. The depth, the the deep, the, ugh, the deep two. God, that's a mouthful. Anyways, I'm Marco, co-host of the... Hey, Daniel Gafford, what's the name of our podcast? The JVG NBA Tribute Show. Wow, I can't believe it's that easy. Thanks, Gaff. You probably know us as two members of the Four Man Weave plus Marco, but we know you as our next listener. Well said, Lucas. I gotta ask, how do we differ from the pack of basketball podcasts? It's a great question, Marco. You see, on our basketball podcast, we have two male co-hosts. Wow, truly groundbreaking. After this episode, stay on your favourite podcasting app and give us a spin. And we are back. I have put the Pat Williams cards under lock and key. Uh, I'm sure we've grabbed some refreshments. And uh, back, back we are um, to run through uh, some of the some of the major news for the week. And I'll start off uh, with the first one coming from Jason Quick of the Athletic, um, reporting that Jeremy Grant is going to wait until the off season to sign an extension. Um, the Portland Trailblazers reportedly offered him a four for 112.6 million dollar extension, which he turned down. Um, and following this declined extension. Extension, a few teams started calling around to see if he was available. Um, and what are your thoughts, Gary, when you when you heard this report? I hope the Cleveland Cavaliers are one of those teams that mm-hmm. called. Mm-hmm. Um, if Jeremy Grant's available, he's he adds so much to a team. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Defense can play at multiple positions. As far as sports cards, like that's where I feel like is my. I, I think he's um, undervalued for a 2014 rookie that you can find for just a few dollars. But, mm. um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't run out to buy Jeremy Grant cards either. He's not a big name, you know, mm-hmm. definitely. Well, on the court, let's, if you say the Cavs are interested, if you would <laughs> like the Cavs to be interested, do you, do you think he can slide into that three and D role? Do you think he could, you know, say take over Karras in the, in the closing lineup? Uh, I think they would play matchups that way because Karras is good at creating his own shot and I haven't given up on him yet. So mm. um, I think he would take over the place where when, when you've seen Isaac Okoro or Chetty Osman or Lamar Stevens, all those guys are okay, but Jeremy Grant's a, a star. Like mm. he, he's played at an all-star level for a couple of years now. I, Cause he's in, he was in Detroit, which plays Cleveland pretty frequently. We got to see him up close and be like, man, Portland got a good deal getting him. I, mm. I don't know why they'd want to get rid of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's exactly what I thought when I saw the report, it's <laughs> like, okay, well, Portland have only said that they're going to compete. They've only said that they want to put a, put a contender around um, Damian Lillard. And if you're going to trade away, 
Jeremy Grant on an expiring contract, you're not going to get anything back that's actually going to be worth it. So <laughs> right. I, I thought this was more <clears throat> Jeremy Grant's agent coming out there saying, okay, look, you know, we couldn't sign an extension. Teams are definitely interested, which means if this team's interested at the deadline, we're going to have suitors and free agency. And it wouldn't be the first mm. time Jeremy Grant's better than himself. And you you must think he's feeling pretty rosy after the, the Detroit experience where everyone's like, that's incredible. He should have stayed with Denver on twelve million a year. Why would he just cash out for twenty? Oh, well, maybe he's actually worth twenty-five. So, yeah, more power to yeah. him if he wants to bet on himself. Um, he, I think, because he was. Oh, now this is just going to sound uneducated, but, but I think because he was an all-star in the past <clears throat> two seasons. Um, was he? Yeah, he was. Um, yeah. I think he he's played able- like one. Yeah, <laughs> I don't <laughs> know if he actually was, but yeah, he's eligible for. I think it's a little bit north of two hundred million dollars. Um over across five years in an extension but that that seems a little bit rich rich for my blood you've you've seen him in person so do you think he's <laughs> worth it or what would you do i don't think he's worth that no i i do think portland should try to keep him at whatever budget they can because they've got uh, a decent core of five or six players that they just need to play together more mm-hmm. and to see the way damian lillard i don't know if you saw him last night he just explodes for 40 it seems like every time he takes takes the court mm-hmm. so um, Jeremy Grant's one of those guys that's fine if you need him to score 25 or 30. He's fine if you don't. Like, he'll still impact the game, rebounds, defense, wh- whatever. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, you I need still those think guys around your stars. I still think his best case scenario is what he did for Denver in the bubble, um, playing the Aaron Gordon role, which, you know, maybe Aaron, Go- Aaron Gordon's doing a little bit better now, but just coming in, like I said, uh, defense, rebounds, and hit the shots that come to him. Um, would have liked to see Boston trade for him last year. He would have been a, oh, a very interesting oh. fit there. <laughs> but then yeah. again, as a Warriors fan, maybe maybe I didn't want to see him do that. <laughs> Um, probably the the sexiest piece of news we got here is that Bones Highland is quote likely to be traded by the deadline. Um, this is coming from Mark Stein and one of his m- many news dumps. Have you been reading Mark Stein's news dumps? It seems like every morning I wake up, he's just got five new dudes, rumors, updates. That's I don't even know there's this many <laughs> players in the league, but he's finding rumors for every single one. Um, the Bones Highland report was followed up. Um Followed up by Adam Mares of Locked On Nuggets and DNVR saying that the the you know the trade comes a little bit because there is a new front office in there and Kelvin Booth wasn't the guy that drafted him. Um, and also a little bit that there's been conflict between him and Michael Malone, the head coach, obviously, and not in a bad way, in more of a, a role and playing time, um, which... My first thoughts when I heard that was you're a second year guard on a title mm. contender. You're probably not going to be probably not going to be getting that many minutes. Um, but just I, I thought it was a little bit interesting that let, let's say Bones Highland was has always been available this season, and Kelvin Booth doesn't think he's the he's the ingredient to a title team here. Um, you don't usually hear reports that it, that they are likely to trade him and that they are having such advanced discussions to get rid of a guy like this. So, well, what do you make of that when they're they're actually reporting that they're <clears throat> the the guy on the on his rookie deals on the on the move? Yeah, I, I was shocked to mm. hear his name and to see it on our list of things to talk about. Just because, again, like you said, young player, uh, rookie contract, a guy that seems to fit what they do. Mm really well with or without Jamal Murray on the court. He's, I mean, he can, he can drain threes. Um, he plays with energy. You love that coming off your bench. You love that just anywhere on the court to see a guy that plays like bones does. So I was surprised. Uh, yeah. And I'm skeptical that he'll actually get moved. 
Mm. I, I don't mm. know if it's just that the new the new um, brain trust over there in Denver needs to needs to be convinced, but I I would be I'm shocked to hear his name. Yeah, yeah, and, I, I, and yeah, definitely, definitely. I, I'm I'm shocked with, to hear it as well. So you keep going. <laughs> well, with sports cards, you know, we talked to earlier about trying to find players before they um uh, take off and become stars or household names and there are very few guys in last year's class who have shown the explosiveness as a player and a scorer that bones highland has mm. you know with jamal murray out i think probably the bigger piece of the puzzle here is that jamal murray's back healthy and playing great like jamal mm. is on my i had him as a alternate or a last addition to the Western conference all-stars. I think he's, he's one of the main reasons Denver is tops in the West right now. He's playing really well. Mm, mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think I agree with you. Like there, there doesn't seem to be much of a reason why, why he is on the trade market. So I think it really does just come down to what is that conflict between he and, mm-hmm. and Michael Malone. Cause it, it must be pretty bad if you're going to trade away a guy who's cost controlled for this year and two more afterwards. And if, if he's worth an extension, you've just got, you know, he's going to be a restricted free agent. So it's, it is, it is weird to see. Um, they did put quite a high asking price on Bones Island. They said they wanted a first round <laughs> pick bet. and a defensive player in return, which is like, he was a late first round pick in, you know, let's say he's, he's, he's definitely increased his stock. Still, you'd say a, a middle, a middle of the round first round pick is about what he might be worth in my opinion anyway. Um, yeah, yeah. So I wonder what the price is going to be. Um, Minnesota have expressed interest. Obviously the, the link there with Tim Connolly, he was the guy who drafted him when he was in Denver. Um, but I don't I don't see much that Denver would be interested in in receiving back for um Sean, for... What, what's your take on Minnesota? Like the... they've got the yeah, just what are the T Wolves doing? They they have you know they went all in for Rudy, you know, mm-hmm. their returning playoff team. What what's your take on why would they be interested in Bones for what he could do on the court and what, what are they doing, you know? What do you, what do you see Minnesota doing to improve mm. their team? Um, Bones, I think it's more just talent acquisition. I think Tim Connolly sees a guy who he identified when he was there and, and he drafted him, so he must have believed in him. Uh, and yeah, I'd just rather play a young up and coming guard than someone like Austin Rivers. Just just get more young talent yeah. in there. Um, but yeah, Minnesota as a whole, it's been pretty um, it's been pretty depressing, especially as someone who, when I did my over unders at the start of the year, I picked them to potentially go over fifty wins, just because I thought you put Rudy Gobert anywhere, you've got a top five defense in the league and. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if Anthony Edwards doesn't care about defense, or D'Angelo Russell might just be a league average point guard, or can cat guard anyone, especially if it's not <laughs> if, if it's not a five. I said, don't worry about all those questions. They're massive, blaring questions, but don't worry because Rudy Gobert is <laughs> going to fix it. And he was just he, he just seems a step slow on defense and just a tiny little bit worse than he has been with the Utah Jazz. And I I definitely gave too much credit to um to the Minnesota Timberwolves and not enough credit to the Utah Jazz for just having a a solid defensive foundation and Chris Finch is in there as an offensive you know uh, not offense only but offense mostly head coach there um and yeah so it's a little bit unfortunate that I bought so hard into the into the Timberwolves not to I think not, I think we all did anything. yeah oh yeah oh, they're, they're... I, I tell you Dante didn't <laughs> oh really I was gonna say their their talent is ridiculous like. Mm. Gobert, Towns, Anthony Edwards, D'Angelo Russell, McDaniel's like they're they're loaded. And uh, what did they they took the Grizzlies to six or seven games last year? Like they're mm. 
but I don't know what's going on. Like Towns hasn't been healthy a lot this season. And you're right. Gobert hasn't been what they thought they got. Mm. Um, when you've got guys like Nas Reed who can come <laughs> off the bench and mm. do pretty much the same thing or better. Did we really, I- I'm surprised they would, they give up six first round picks for Rudy yeah, or was yeah, it five? Yeah. Well, it's, Dude. It's, it turns out to be six once you, you know, factory and Dude. Walker Kessler who's looking and Kessler's than... playing great. <laughs> Yeah, and imagine just having Walker Kessler. Like, if if you really wanted to test the theory of Cat next to a defensive five, you could have just drafted Walker Kessler if you you know believed in the scouting of him being just a good crown-bound big. Have him cost-controlled for four years and go, oh, okay, mm. doesn't look too good with Cat, or it does. Then you can make the trade. But the fact that Tim Connolly came in and just focused on getting stars, which I completely understand, but just maybe the worst fitting star they could have gotten. Um, and there's a video <laughs> you can watch on, on our YouTube channel on, on the film room um, done by Lucas Petridis, where he looks at just how the, how the hell they can get things to work on offense. Interesting. Um, still works. That video still, still very clickable because while at the time, both of the big guys were healthy. We still don't have any answers because they got unhealthy. Um, but it's it. I think it's a little bit awkward that Anthony Edwards is having is playing the best basketball of his of his year without yeah. one of those guys there. Um, and Cat <laughs> was excelling a bit in the games that Gobert wasn't there. And Gobert misses every second game. And I pick up Naz Reed as a streaming option on Yahoo Fantasy, mm-hmm. and I'm happy. Mm-hmm. But I'm just not too happy with the situation. <laughs> well, don't give up on Anthony Edwards, and I don't think you are. Like 25 points a game right now. Mm. And uh, the kid is 21 years old. Mm. Like he's, he is emerging. I did have him as an all-star. Um, yep. And the last, I think it's the last 10 games, he's averaging 31 or 32. Like um, he's awesome. Mm. He's yeah. a fantastic young player. And, um, and maybe this is, this is going to be part of Minnesota changing of the guard from being a, a team that was trying to build around Carl Towns because he's, he's good. <laughs> but they, they need to become like the team that's building around Edwards, mm. right? And mm. what yeah. the game is becoming, not what it used to be with a bunch of big guys. So, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, I had a point, but I completely forgot about it. Oh, well, let's go back to Bones <laughs> Island. Um, yeah, something, something, Minnesota. Uh, I, I saw a, a fake trade proposed by someone on Twitter, so no credit given. Um, Terrence Mann for Bones Highland. Do you like that for for those teams? And, and who would you say says no? I love it if I'm the Clippers yeah. because they have a bunch of those Terrence Mann two, three, four guys. That's mm. where their strengths lie with them. Um, with Paul George, with Norm Powell, with even Kawhi, like they've got those guys, but if they could add another young, you know, John, John Wall's been up and down. Um, if they can add somebody like bones to give life and, and come off the bench, like he does in Denver, I don't know why they pass on that. And he's mm-hmm. a lot younger than Terrence Mann. Mm-hmm. nothing against Terrence Mann. He's just, he's the a Clippers seem to have a lot of those. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you like it for Denver? No. Really? <laughs> no, I don't. Damn. I don't. I, You're surprised now, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I absolutely adore this trade for both teams because really? everything, everything you mentioned there for the Clippers makes sense. But the theory of, you know, if they are going to win a title, it's because Kawhi Leonard is a top five player in the world again. So if you've got Kawhi just posting up, posting up, you know, getting a getting getting a mismatch or, or just getting an advantage against the defense, if you can just swing, swing, swing to Bones Highland, who just wants to take shots off the dribble and off the catch, as opposed to Dude. John Wall, who needs to find the, the guy for the pass, that's... That's amazing. But Terrence Mann, just like another 
interchangeable wing. You know, you say the Clippers have too many. Well, Denver don't have enough of these guys. So, so here's here's why I don't like it for Denver. I feel like they would be overpaying for Terrence Mann. I think you need to give mm. me something more. Mm, like if you okay. told me it was Terrence Mann and Brandon Boston Jr. for does Bones that, Highland and a, the needle for you for Bones Highland and a pick, yeah, it does. Because bo- just because Boston is something else, he's a young player with talent. He's a Kentucky kid. Mm. Um, I, I want a little because I do see Bones as more value right now. Like I said, younger player, um, scorer, higher potential than Mann. Mm. But mm. I do see what you're saying, Mann fitting as an an athletic wing that Denver does need more of like they do need they would love his his defense I I think I think that part of it makes sense I just don't love overpaying for him yeah I I think when you get to that stage where where you're Denver I think you do have to pay overpay a little bit because you are you are such a nearly complete team where you know they could win the title at the end of the year and We'll yeah. be like, okay, that's fair enough. But you know, if you're bringing in Terrence Mann, who might play ten minutes in a playoff game, whereas Bones Highland, if Jamal Murray is going to play forty something, Bones Highland, you, you don't, he's definitely not in, the, in there for his defense. And if you've got Jokic and, and Murray running everything, you don't really need him for his offense. I think overpaying a little bit just to get those extra few minutes and that little extra edge in the playoffs is is definitely worth it but you might look back on it in a year if you if you haven't won a title and gone oh crap well there goes that really young scorer who... oh imagine those two teams meeting each other like in the western semifinal Again. and having that <laughs> those both those players could play a key role you mm. know uh, and uh, and have an axe to grind if they end up going against their former team so mm, mm. um and, and I, I laughed a little bit before when you said Brandon Boston cuz every national podcast i listen to everyone's like oh can the Clippers make a move? And then you go, okay, well, what what picks do the Clippers have to move? And it's like, okay, well, yeah, it seems like most of these big teams, 2029 pick, oh, that's a little bit too far in the future. It might be a little bit too valuable to to swing for <laughs> just a, a role player. What about Brandon Boston Jr.? It's like, I've never seen Brandon Boston Jr. play oh, really? a lot of basketball. I mean, I've seen him play, but I've never, I'm not sitting there going, get him on my team he's an asset but have you seen something i haven't he's like buying a lottery ticket man um he's he's uh feast or famine last season there were some games where there was no paul george no Kawhi leonard and they threw brandon boston in in a Mm. starting capacity and so you're telling me there's a clippers game with no paul george and no Kawhi leonard right what are you talking about (laughs) what am i smoking straight Um, clothes leonard so he probably had a couple games Brandon Boston did where he got 25 or 30 or more. And mm-hmm. so it was like, it was sort of this reminder of like, man, any given night, the NBA is so loaded with talent. You know, mm. some of these guys just need a chance. And mm. Boston is is still, I think he's under 20 years old. So it'd be just like taking a flyer. Yeah, You know, it's not like I'm saying, oh, he's going to come in and make a difference for Denver today. Mm. Um, no, he's more like hey, just a, little a lottery ticket. Returning. Yep, because they're not going to be drafting high in the first round for the foreseeable future. So this would be like, right, like you said, talent <laughs> acquisition. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, and then final piece of the news that that was quite interesting is that the Atlanta Hawks are willing to keep John Collins past this trade deadline. That was coming from Mark Stein. Um, and there was also a follow-up report that came out this morning um, from Sam Amick of The Athletic saying that the Hawks have also significantly significantly decreased their asking price for John Collins in a trade. Previously, they were... <laughs> They were looking for a first round pick, a good first round pick, and a quality player um, in return for John Collins, who I 
don't think he's worth that. Um, and then now they're saying we just want a good quality player in return. Um, I I just want the John Collins saga in in Atlanta. To <laughs> That's what I was thinking. It's just like it's not even that cool of a saga. It's it's not like there's massive beef or anything. It's like it's just like we talk about this every year, Sean. Like, what yeah. is John Collins on the move? Like, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> it's like he can't defend. He, he can't defend the rim, and he can't switch on the perimeter. Just send him to Houston. Houston were a team who actually um, expressed interest in the past couple of days, which I, I just think that. I mean, Houston are tanking, so maybe it's good. Um, but you just just send him somewhere else because I, I want to just see him outside of an Atlanta jersey and see if he can do something different. Because if we pass this trade deadline, he's still there. <laughs> oh man, what, I would be curious. What is your ideal situation for him? Because sometimes I hear the Cavaliers as a team mentioned in the John Collins conversation, and I'm like, no, no. <laughs> if this guy thinks he's a a starter, an impact player on a playoff team? No, no, mm. he's not. Mm. You know, he's he's a he's a like a random scorer on the Atlanta Hawks, right? They're not they're not top six in the East or the West. Um, mm. I don't know. I, I'm I'm like you. I'm ready for the saga to to die. Yeah, yeah. I don't, like to to answer your question, like what do I think of John Collins? Mm. I, I think he. Was just in the in the right place at the right time. He came into an Atlanta team before they had drafted Trey Young, and they had just come out of the Mike Budenholzer era. And they were like, "Oh, hold on a minute, we're tanking." John Collins take a bunch of shots, and he easily just averaged twenty points because he's he's athletic. He can finish like he's got good hands, but he just simply isn't the driver of an efficient offense. And then they paid him the mm-hmm. money because they said we've we've made this beautiful playoff run. Trey Young's rising. He needs his running mate. But he's just not the driver of an efficient offense, and he's just nowhere near. He's he can't do anything on defense. Like he, his arms are too short to defend the paint. That's why he's always paired with the yeah. five. But as soon as you pair him with the five, he's not a good enough shooter to um to like really actually stretch it. So all of a sudden you're a little bit cramped, harder for your guards to get to the rim. Um, so I think like you asked what's his what's his best situation. I think his best situation is in 2026. In the 2026 offseason, his contract expires and he signs like a Bobby Portis like deal for a for a title contender and accepts a role coming off the bench. But if you were to maximize him, would it be for a you know to Indiana where he's he's sitting next to Miles Turner, where Miles hmm. Turner's a good enough shooter at the five, and then all of a sudden John Collins is the one guy in the paint next to another good passer like Tyrese. But I really don't think the juice is worth the squeeze. <laughs> I think he's a backup man. I think he's uh, as you're talking, I hear these other names in my head: T.J. Warren, hmm. Jay Crowder, like. Guys that are that are between sizes and they don't play great defense or they don't anymore, you know. Um, I was going to ask you about uh, Jay Crowder. That's another name that that we're hearing in trade deals. And I he he played for the Cavaliers for a minute or two mm. during that during that finals run and everything. And I'm like, why are we still talking about Jay Crowder? <laughs> like, it, yeah, I, I, he he had games for for Phoenix last year where. In the playoffs, he would go 0 for 9, 0 for 10. I'm like, why is this dude on the court? You've got Cameron mm. Johnson. Uh, I don't know. There's other sagas that I'm like, how is this still a thing? <laughs> yeah, it's it seems like the the name of Jay Crowder has surpassed the actual reality <laughs> of Jay Crowder because Dante's yeah. a Phoenix Suns fan, obviously watches a lot of Phoenix games. And, you know, where as soon as they announced that Cam Johnson was going to be taking over the starting role, he goes, oh, 
Yeah. That makes sense. Cam Johnson's a better player. We sort of need an off-ball guy who can just catch and shoot as, as much as he does with that starting lineup. And then Jay Crowder obviously kicked up a fuss and said, no, I want to start. I'm not joining the team until... But now you're halfway through a season. No one's seen this guy play basketball since the end of last season where, like you said, he had some stinkers in the playoffs. <laughs> and you're going to trade... like If a title contender is going to trade for him, they're going to have to match... You know, that most, most of the times they're going to be in the luxury tax or up against the hard cap. They're going to have to match or give back more than his $10 million salary. So you're giving up, you know, not just not pennies, you're giving up something that's like a reason for your basketball team being good. You know, you're giving up more, more than just a more than just a, a throwaway um yeah, a minimum salary. So it's like, are you going to give up a piece of what makes your basketball team good for a guy who hasn't played basketball in six months? It's uh, like, <laughs> I don't get it. I don't yeah. get it, man. I would be, uh, you know, what what players on the move do you think will move the needle? Like what are what's a name that excites you that you're like, man, that's a difference maker. Mm. If that goes down, dude. Mm. Well, I think I think the difference maker for me is more like a Derek White move last season with the Boston Celtics. So uh, I see the move that would like actually make things happen would be to you know, say the Warriors bring in Yucca Pertle or something like that, where it's like, mm-hmm. okay, you've got a dude who's getting paid, you know, just under $10 million a year who can come in easily swaps with James Wiseman, I'll mention. Um, and you just get a that rotation. Was, you guys player. talked about that on a previous episode, right? <laughs> um, Wiseman and some stuff for Pertle, right? Yeah, you can take Wiseman and yeah. all the stuff. Um, but just bring in, just bring in <laughs> a competent rotation player. Like, just play. There's, I don't think there's going to be like a Bradley Beal trade that thrusts Miami into into superstardom. But I think there is just a, there's a guy like Yaka Pertle. You've put me on the spot here, and but there is, you know, yeah, yeah. there must be a guard equivalent as well, where like Derek White, where it's just like, you know, experts, guys who are just going to come in and play twenty minutes in the playoffs. A little bit like Terrence Mann, but I, I, I'm like you, I don't think he's that good to to really move the needle. Are there any guys out there that you think uh, can move the needle this deadline? Mm, well, I'm I mentioned Toronto, and it just it just seems like they they have a lot of pieces that would be attractive, but. I don't know what teams are going to step up and pay mm. for a guy like Ananobi or Fred Van Vliet. Um, and mm. yet some of these, some of these contenders that are in, you know, take Miami or take uh, even Phoenix, like they, they could really use another rotation guy that can score. Mm. Right. But I don't know if they're going to pay enough to get a Fred Van Vliet. I, mm. You know what I'm saying? I, so I, I don't know. I'm I'm so used to now, and you probably are too, as an NBA fan follower, all the hype around. I'm excited. I'm always excited about the trade deadline. And it seems like rarely, you know, do all the things mm. that we think will happen. There's, there's often some great surprises, some, some deals we didn't expect too, right. Mm. Um, as a Cavaliers fan, we we've been able to sneak in on other teams deals and, mm. you know, the big James Harden trade a couple of years ago, the Cavs snuck in and got Jarrett Allen. And it was like a, a an add-on team, but Jared Allen's turned out to be an all-star. Mm. So maybe it's going to be some of the the lesser known trades or teams that get in, and you're like surprised by it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I don't think like a uh, a uh, Boyan Bogdanovich is just going to like blow up the title race where it's like, oh, okay, well now you've got a really competent forward off the bench. You're the winners. Um, Yeah, it's. I would love to see Fred VanVleet moved. I would love to see whether it is Phoenix just mortgaging their future. Just say, all right, just here's 
three future first round picks and two swaps. <clears throat> Here's Chris Paul as well. Um, and we just bring in Fred Fred Van Vliet and, and make it work. But with with Toronto, like they've they've got all these really attractive pieces, and OG is probably the the crown jewel. If you want to get Siakam, just see what he looks like outside of a Toronto jersey. There's all these like you know mm. enticing situations. But what does Toronto do at the end of the day? Because if you're giving up one of those guys, if you give up Fred Van Vliet, then it's like oh well. Are you retooling? Are you tanking? Are you still competing? What's the what's the move there? So I think with with Toronto, Masai Ujiri is going to have to ask if I'm going to do one. If I'm going to trade OG for three first round picks, then is there another piece that I pretty much have to do? But as soon as he does that move, then all the other teams are going to look at Masai and say, "Well, you've sort of just kind of committed, and now you're in no man's land. So we're not going to pay a premium <laughs> for Pascal Siakam." So I would love my dream situation is. Three three Raptors get get moved all within seconds of one. <laughs> Blow <another>. it up. <laughs> Blow it up. Um, just yeah, to to quote Kevin O'Connor for the last what it seems like fifteen years, just trying to blow up the blow up the Toronto Raptors because I just don't think. I just don't think politically they can move one of those guys and still ask for such a premium on on any of the other two. Mm. What are your thoughts? Uh, I'm like you. I'm, I I would love to see the potential of any of those players in another uniform mm-hmm. like develop because we've heard a lot about you know what they can do but it seems like they're they always steal shots and attention from each other you know we haven't even mentioned scotty barnes they've mm-hmm. got five or six wing players that are super talented that any given night they can score 30 but none of them i mean pascal's had a great season but they 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 aren't winning and mm-hmm. uh and that's that's a problem and either you say because I was I was going to ask you about the Sixers, you know, the whole trust the process thing. Well, the process, if you're a Sixer fan, has taken a decade. Like it's mm. taken a long time to see what what drafting Joel Embiid would turn out to possibly be, and they still haven't made it to. Have they made it to a conference finals? But they look good right now. You know, mm. adding the right pieces around a healthy Embiid and Harden is looking really good. Mm. Um, so there may be a case in Toronto of saying, look. You've got the talent. Just give it time. Give these guys time to figure it out. And the right, if the right deal comes along, take it. But don't mm. go giving away, you know, a, a Van Vliet for almost nothing. Mm. Make sure you get something right, at least potential or or assets. That's I, I hate seeing players leave a team for nothing. Mm. When Dallas lost Jalen Brunson for nothing, that was big. Mm. Now we're all like, how come Luca doesn't have a supporting cat? Well, they let him go. And he's he's a borderline all star, and mm. sometimes you just have to wait for a player to develop, mm. you know, yeah. on, in your own system. So, I'm sorry if I rambled too much on mm. on two other teams there, but like, <laughs> yeah, I Toronto. It, it, my my thought is, man, if someone can, if they're desperate to blow it up, and someone can win an auction for Ananobi or Siakam or Van Vliet, they're going to be glad they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what is basketball podcasting if not rambling on about multiple teams afterwards? <laughs> That's um, true. Okay, <laughs> you're used to well. this. You guys are the king of this, by the way. I, <laughs> I love your show. Love listening to it. Um, and I feel smarter because of the Australian accent that I get to hear <laughs> talking about the NBA. I love that. Uh, th- that your country is so crazy for NBA basketball. L- mm. Love it. Mm. It's crazy for sport, really, and it happens to be that true. <laughs> the NBA is really good. Um. That's, I mean, I, I was going to wrap up, but I have to say, um, do you think Australia can win uh, potentially silver or gold in the next Olympics or World Cup in in basketball? 
Absolutely, Sean. Anything is Correct possible answer. if you believe. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yes. And um, I, I wouldn't. Um, I started to think about man. Is is the next Olympics just going to go to whoever has Luca, or is Victor mm. Wembanyama going to dominate international mm. basketball for the next fifteen years? So. But no, Australia absolutely has a chance and is Correct always answer. well coached, always <laughs> like works the three. I mean, they're they're awesome. Hmm, cool. So. Um, all right. Well, just uh just before we wrap up, um, I will firstly mention that on the deep2.com, I have to I have to say this. Uh we've got two articles up there, one from yours truly, one from um, me talking about sort of a, a trade deadline prep for the Golden State Warriors, and then an article that went up today from friend of the program, Matt Parnell, um, talked about the absurdity of Luka Doncic's season and just just the crazy <laughs> maths behind what the hell he's actually doing. And then you know, does he need help? What form does that help come in? Or does he actually really need help? Because he's doing this incredible stuff and he's getting all these wide open shots for his teammates. But I don't want to spoil the lead too much. That's on the deep2.com. I can't <laughs> believe it's that simple, Gary. Um, And then, yeah, thank you again for coming on. It's been, it's been a pleasure to have Gary from Hoops and Cards on the podcast. And just want to give us a quick sign off. Where can people find you? What days do you go live and, and so on? Anytime, Sean. Thank you for having me on the show. Yeah. Um, Instagram at hoops and carts. That is the best way to follow what we do and uh, to get into the sports card hobby as it hits the NBA. Um, our podcast on the BF pods network as well. Check that out. Hoops and cards um, anywhere you find podcasts. And like I said, uh, that series basketball cards 101. You know, if you're brand new to this, you just want to hear what's our show about. Uh, we did one, I think two or three episodes ago about, um, well, I forget what it was about, but it was really good. <laughs> it was really good about just getting, getting the foundation and learning uh, the opportunities to buy and sell cards. And it's, it's all global, man. It's, it's, it's all online. So it's, it's been a blast. Hmm. So yeah, no but thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, thanks. For Anytime you want to talk Golden State and Cavaliers, I'm here. <laughs> well, I, I think it would be a good matchup to have us in the finals again, but I think for the rest of the league, we probably shouldn't see it. <laughs> that could happen. It could happen. That could totally happen. <laughs> again. Yeah. Well, I'll speak to you when <laughs> we're in the finals. <laughs> right? I'm glad. Well, man, could you imagine Steph Curry and Donovan Mitchell? Yeah. Can you imagine Donovan Mitchell and anyone again? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> We were over the moon when we first heard that the NBA was going to be televised on Australian free-to-air TV in the 2019-20 season. It didn't exactly go swimmingly with the nasty cough halting the season and games getting cancelled left, right and centre, but it was a huge step and an exciting one for basketball fans all across the country. Better yet, it wasn't a commercial channel cashing in on some basketball nerds like us. It was SBS, one of our public broadcasters. Unfortunately, the NBA wasn't the only thing SBS was pushing last season. They also ran advertisements from Sportsbet, Ladbroke, Bet365, BetEasy and Neds, some of the biggest sports betting companies in Australia. In a one step forwards, two steps backwards move, SBS has dropped the ball here. As a public broadcaster, SBS plays a key role in providing relevant, culturally appropriate health information to local communities. The last thing SBS should be doing is offering a platform for gambling companies during the most financially unstable time in recent memory. This past year, men aged 18 to 24 made up 79% of new gambling account holders with increased median spending and frequency of bets. 
This is the last thing we should be spending our money on given the financial uncertainty that comes with the pandemic. During COVID lockdowns, wagering companies spent more money on advertising and incentives to gamble, and it worked. SBS needs to hear from viewers that gambling ad revenue isn't worth the harm it causes. Call on the SBS chair, George Savitas, to put community health ahead of gambling revenue by signing the petition at www.endgamblingads.org.au forward slash get gambling off SBS with hyphens in between.